0: You're listening to American Citizens, a Manchester City podcast by American journalists. Aguero! Sergio, the savior again! Aguero riding to Manchester City's rescue! That's for the first time in this semi final. They are ahead on aggregate! Here's Sterling but he keeps it in, and De Bruyne is there! And it is dead level now. Manchester City are still alive here.
1: Balotelli, Aguero...
0: And now here's your hosts, Josh Webb and Gray Papke.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the first ever episode of the American Citizens Podcast on Blog Talk Radio. Um, this is, I'm, my name is Gray and um, I'm with Josh and we're both filthy Americans who are going to be spending our time this week and every week from here on out on Tuesdays talking about Manchester City.
0: Sounds like a delicious so, proposition, Gray. It yeah, sounds like a hello. delicious proposition. Oh, it does. I, I am saying hello. But <laughs> we uh, we we promise not to uh, spend really a lot of time talking about Team USA because, you know, that's you know, way too American even for me. Right. I don't, you know, I watch. I actually
1: know more. I think I know more about the England national team than I know about Team USA.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm Dutch, so I grew up right. watching Dutch soccer, which is far superior though in its own ways, uh calamitous and haphazard. Um but yeah, you know, I I think the World Cup in ninety four though cemented my love for the sport or for the sport. I can say that. Mm-hmm.
1: Although can you that's is that really can you really credit or blame the Americans as you would as completely for that? Or was it just the sort of thing that happened here?
0: Well, I think that there was so much uh, media like stickers because back then those Panini books, I'm, I'm 33. So those Panini books are totally my jam. Um, I, I used to have so many of those things as a kid And and there was so much officially licensed merchandise that summer. So you could really get your hands on a lot of crap that that allowed me at a young age to get maybe deeper into the sport than I think kids nowadays realize. Because now you can just flip on your computer and you get instant access to anything you want about the Premier League. That wasn't necessarily the case in in 1994. No. Uh, so you know, you know, there was only one ESPN at the time. They still wore ridiculous shorts with super baggy shirts back then. Uh, I believe Eric Cantona was still kicking people in the chest back then. Um, Correct. So, you know, when the World Cup came with all the merchandise and the stuff, like the informational stuff that came with it, I think it made me love this sport even more because I could sort of then put a face to to what were foreign players.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. See, I'm too young for this. I'm 26. I was four when that World Cup happened. Mm-hmm. So Fair enough. I don't remember. Yeah. So that's our learning experience for the day. And we promised that we'll stop talking about America now. Um, So, this is our first episode. So, we don't really have, we can't go back in time and go back to the end of May when the season ended and talk about our reaction to that. So, since this is our first podcast, we're going to cheat and do it now. Basically, I think we can agree Um, it was crap. Largely, it was not worth remembering at any sort of great length. But you want to talk about it, and you wanted to talk about um, how the uh, how the season ended and basically your reactions to the manager and the departure of the manager and basically what happened in the last three or so years. So yeah. I'll let you have the floor on that.
0: Yeah, I just kind of wanted to to air my two cents about the Pellegrini era, and I think that for me, you know, I covered covered Fresno State for about three or four years there, and there were so many similarities to to when both coaches sort of took the program over, or the club over. You could see an improvement, but then after that, after the zenith, it sort of dropped off from there. And and you could see that there was never going to be an improvement. That that neither one of those guys had an answer for what to fix. They they knew their system. Their system was what got them there, and that's what they were going to stick with. And you know, a lot of people look at Manuel Pellegrini, and 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 if they didn't feel he should have been fired at the end of this year. Uh, then I don't know, but I was sort of on board with terminating him last year, though I understand why they kept him and why they renewed the contract. Obviously, at that point, by renewing his contract, it sort of takes away any media speculation beyond just that. You know, hey, I think that the contract is BS, which everybody knew that it was, But the man had put his signature on a piece of paper. So after it's a done deal, there's really only so much you can write about it without it just being conjecture until such a time as it becomes true. And now I understood all of those things. But I knew that this season was going to be just a a continuation of what happened the year prior, where City were good at home, uh, but not really good on the road, even though the good at home started to tail off toward the end of the year and then they put together that run to sort of finish second and everything seemed to be okay. This year the problems just became enhanced in that they weren't really good home or away. And it, it Patrick Deer was never the answer, but Manuel Pellegrini probably – at the end of the day, uh, there was sort of no harm, no foul, because City finished in the Champions League spot. But now he's left Guardiola with the unenviable task of, of winning a, a playoff game against an unknown opponent, I think. I, I haven't heard anything about a draw at this point. An yeah, unknown opponent <laughs> um, who could very well be capable of beating the team, learning a brand-new system under their their, their new manager. Uh you know you put faith in the idea that Guardiola will have the team prepared enough whether it's using the old system just to guarantee a victory and then changing things up but there's the possibility that that, that he may not do that and and City may get knocked out and they won't have Champions League football and and that will be because Manuel Pellegrini was still allowed to to coach last year um so I, I just kind of wanted to get that off my chest. Uh, you know, it was just, I guess, in in a, in a shameless way, it's sort of saying I knew we were going to get here, which I'm not going to be that type of, of guy. This is not going to be this type of podcast moving forward. It's just, as you said, this is our first episode, and we can't go back in time to May and talk about it when it was relevant. Um, but I... I I did want to talk about this and then he is likely never to come up on this show again, other than, you know, casual references to the Pellegrini era. Um, I just don't feel like he was a guy who developed anybody. And, and that sort of shows, you know, I I think that the, the, the the blame was way too much at the feet of some players when I think Pellegrini skated on his development tactics as, as a coach. And that'll be my final word on that. So, well, well, I mean, well, do you have any thoughts or you just want to move on? Um,
1: I have a couple thoughts, but first, on um, the topic of the Champions League playoffs, um, we don't know who's going to be in that draw yet, but just a few of the, um, the potential opponents. Um, guys like, I believe, looking at this, Monaco, Ajax, Shakhtar Donetsk, Uh, Porto's in it, Borussia Mönchengladbach's in it, Roma's in it, VRL's in it. So, you know, no one that's going to make you quake in your boots, but it's going to be a challenge, absolutely, if they get the wrong draw. Um, I don't know if you remember, um, toward the tail end of last year, um, after they lost the Derby at Old Trafford 4-2, there were, all of a sudden... Just this, this spate of rumors about you know Pellegrini getting sacked and a bunch mm-hmm. of coaches, but they were all one-year coaches. Like I remember, um, Alejandro Sabella from the Argentina coach was linked for a one-year caretaker basis. And I remember they weren't interested in Klopp, they weren't interested in um, Ancelotti because they weren't going to take over a one-year project. And I just think at that point, um, they knew Pep was coming for one thing. So
0: they it made were only more going, sense to write it out,
1: yeah, they weren't going if they were going to sack him, they needed to find someone a good and b who was going to come into this knowing it was a one year deal and then they were out the door, no matter what they did and I think that's ultimately why there was no change made because you know it's not really a great situation for a a coach to walk into you know who's going you know it's a good opportunity, but who's going to manage you know. You're you're basically a one year caretaker in that situation. Currently and I that, totally like, understand yeah. that.
0: I, I I got it. And I understood those reasons. I just felt that if Pellegrini stayed on, things were going to get as dicey as they got. It's just you know, fortunately City came out the wash as best as they were going to. You know, they've at least put themselves in a position to where whether or not they make the Champions League this year is entirely on this.
1: Right. And I, I think the other thing is that when Pellegrini was hired, I think it was the right man at the right time, because the dressing room was a mess after Mancini left, for better or worse. There, were, there was a lot of dissension in the ranks, and I think Pellegrini's greatest strength was his man management. He pulled that together, which is why the first season, I think, in large part, was so good overall. Because everyone's playing in the same direction, and but then you know, I think part of it was the league figuring him out. I think some people got a bit too comfortable, and I think this year everyone knew, no matter what they tried to do, you know, the contract extension, if you want to call it that. No matter what they did, everyone kind of knew this was a lame duck situation, and I don't think anyone thought that that changed anything in that regard. I mean, it got the press. Off his back for a few months, but it didn't stop the rumors. So I think what what happened was he was good. He was the right man for a year, but I don't think he was the right man to build on what he actually did there, which is kind of odd and awkward. But
0: yeah i i, I can I can completely see that because Mancini was a defensive minded coach and had installed a rock solid defense at the back. Uh, and, and, you know, that's what City were, were, we're known for. You know, I mean, that's, that's sort of where company made his, his alms, uh, is, is by leading that lockdown defense. And then Pellegrini came in, changed the system to a more offensive flavor. And, and the team just sort of adapted to that. So you look at the two different schemes and see that they're at completely different opposite ends of, of, of the spectrum. And you can see where. He was better because Mancini was abrasive and gross and the players hated him, uh, but he was in no way, shape, or form Pellegrini uh, suited to build upon what Mancini had laid as a foundation.
1: Yeah, and I think, don't take this, I know, you know, don't take this as any sort of negativity towards Virgo Mancini. He is a deserved club legend, and he was exactly what the club needed when he was there at the time. but, you know, I don't think... I, the current regime definitely didn't see him as the man to built the dynasty that they want to build. And I don't think Pellegrini was that man either. And I think, to be honest, Pellegrini hiring in the first place was sort of a caretaker thing because by the club's own admission, they wanted Pep Guardiola in 2012. And he went to Bayern Munich. So they said, okay, three-year contract. Let's hire the next guy on the list for three years and then we'll reassess after that. So I don't, you know... It was never the first choice, obviously. They said as much. This is not conjecture. They openly said as much,
0: yeah, which I found kind of striking.
1: Yeah, I found that kind of striking.
0: Um, well, I, but, I think the reason that they did that, and, and I'll let you continue, but I think the reason that they did that, and, and I saw a lot of differing opinions on that very statement in, in the release, but the reason that I think that they did that was to acknowledge that they weren't running Pellegrini out of town, that this was the accomplishment of a goal they'd set out to achieve after uh, they got went to Barcelona and got their ass handed to them, but fell in love with what they saw from, from La Masia on up. You know, right. so I... I I do understand why people took umbrage or, or found that striking as, as you so eloquently put it, but I don't think that the intention was, was malicious. Like some people made it out to be. And I'm not oh, saying no. that that were your personal stance yeah. on it. I'm I'm just commenting in a general sense, but I think that that was really to, to basically say this was our guy since we started this project. We identified Guardiola as the guy that we knew we wanted to to, to get one day, and this is the culmination of that. Like uh, we spent five years courting this dude, and now we're going steady. We're going steady, baby. That that's right. what that was. And I, right. and I do want to say too, that. I I do want to say too. So this seems like something we should have done at the beginning. For anybody wondering, like, okay, who the hell are these guys talking about Manchester City? Um, we Well, I am an American college football, and I guess you could say, I, well, not I guess. I am an NFL journalist uh, covering the Los Angeles Rams <clears throat> for the Scout Network. I previously covered Fresno State for four years uh, for the Scout Network, and I covered USC uh, Trojans the USC Trojans for Athlon presently in addition to my Los Angeles Rams duties. So uh I have been a sports journalist for about seven years and prior to covering college football I covered the USC and had a podcast there featuring guests like Pat Berry, Clinton Rampage, Jackson, current heavyweight champion, Stepe Miosic, and Ronda Rousey, as well as Nisha Tate. So I've been in the journalism game for a minute, and Gray and I met on the mutual playground of Twitter. Gray, uh, do you That's want to introduce right. yourselves to the people?
1: I am... Well, I have... my my I've written about... I've blogged about baseball. I don't... I, if you want to call it bloggers professionalism, I don't have credentials or anything like that, but I've been writing about the Detroit Tigers since 2011. I have been writing for Larry Brown Sports since last year. So I basically write about sports for a living, and um, we're both Man City fans. So this is how this happened.
0: Yeah, there's no real, like, like we have access to Man City or anything.
1: We're just saying. We have absolutely. We have no sources. We have no inside information. We don't have anything except what we read on the Internet and what we watch.
0: That's not entirely well, true. We do we do have sources, but we're not obviously going to be the outlet that's breaking news. Like we we <laughs> may get a bit of breaking news on this podcast by sheer happenstance, just that the guests would be gone and yeah, if that happens, <laughs> awesome. But you know, we're we're here to talk, man. We're here to engage the listeners and we're here because there are some Super quality uh, Man City podcast, uh, but the vast majority of them, actually, I think all of them, um, are are from people overseas. And and it, you know I can't say enough about the City Watch podcast. If you don't listen to A-son, uh in the City Watch podcast, you're doing yourself a disservice. Those guys are absolutely fantastic over there. Um, but we, we wanted to bring, uh, an American flavor to Manchester City. And, you know, they, they CFB has set up shop here in America. I feel like we're getting in on the ground floor of, uh, common sense, really.
1: Right. So now that we have outed ourselves as glory hunters, I'm just kidding. Of course. Um, I'm not. I'm totally out for glory, baby. yeah well it could have been worse we could have been united fans but here we are that's true that's yeah anyway but the point is you know
0: i want to ask how did you become a city fan
1: one word you want a one-word answer
0: yeah oasis oasis okay that makes total sense that that makes absolute sense
1: and i don't think i'm alone in that regard amongst American City fans
0: mm-hmm. because I'm, well, well you, can, you can tell your story if you want no no what were you going to say you're not alone in, in, in that regard I, yeah. I assume you've met an abundance of, of oasis fans who are also City fans
1: Well, when I went to the Noel Gallagher concert last year a Yaya, the Yaya Torre song broke out so I don't think I'm alone in this but you know I, I I admit I am post takeover. I just you know I'm a oh, I'm relatively am I? Yeah, I'm a relatively recent convert to soccer as a whole, which I still that years, I'm not. I'm,
0: that yeah, I'm not. I know
1: you're not. I I am newer. Um I was I was one of those idiot Americans and I will own up to this completely because, you know, I'm not going to kid myself and I'm not going to kid anyone listening. For the first 14, 15 years of my life, I was one of those idiot Americans who thought, eh, it's never going to happen here. And then I bothered to watch it, and things changed a little bit. So that that happened. I started watching, it was the World Cup, actually, and then I started watching, you know. Once the proliferation and Premier League coverage on the American side of things started to happen, that made it a lot easier. But ultimately, Manchester City happened because, one, I am an Oasis fanboy. And, um, two, I'm a sucker for Sky Blue. When I started following, I legitimately did not know, A, that they were rich, and B, that they were good. So, it was, you know, I found out quickly, obviously, but, you know, ultimately, I am a Manchester City fan because of the Gallagher brothers
0: uh i i have been a fan of the national sport since i was a kid as i mentioned i i'm dutch uh my right. family grew up uh doing very dutch things i would get olibola uh, in, in the morning on the way to school uh speckleosh cookies all the time those are more belgic uh but um I'd always had an affinity for, uh, the international game, uh, but I'd always sort of viewed the club as, as a lesser form, which is stupid. And I'm not sure why I ever thought that because it's totally the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I just decided after the, the, the 2010 World Cup that it was time to, to pick a team. And you're right, the proliferation of of coverage. So like you on post-takeover, no palms, never going to hide that from anybody. Um, but I got to my uh, determination of Manchester City by a bit different methods. Um, I watched a lot of soccer for the first, like, year and a half without having a team. I wanted to sort of uh, pick out teams. I I will not lie about the fact that I wanted them to be contenders for all things. So I did have a a short list, but I was open to fringe clubs that had past glory because one of my childhood best friends was actually from the, the, he's a born and raised Tottenham fan. And his dad was was, uh, born and raised, in England, uh, and 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 had taken Liam out, uh, uh, obviously to White Hart Lane, and 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 I uh, it, it, I was entertaining the idea of fringe clubs like Tottenham that, that had been there in the past, but I knew I wanted a, a club that was capable of contending in all different competitions because otherwise, what's the point? Um, but in that, I also did a lot of research, and what actually took me over on City, because oddly enough, you mentioned the Sky Blue thing, I'm a USC guy, so I am absolutely not down with Sky Blue. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, I also like Duke basketball, so there's like a double, and that goes back to when I was a kid, like I uh, got to visit the Duke campus when I was like eight years old, and, and had a letter written to me by Mike Chesky, along with a signed basketball. And when you're a kid, that—that's the yeah. end, you know. Like oh, yeah. There's the, there, the, I, I I am not one of those obnoxious fans that you see on the internet. And as a matter of fact, most people are really genuinely sh- shocked to find out that I do like Duke because I never really talk about it. Um. Mm. But but needless to say that the the powder keg blue, baby blue, Carolina blue, whatever the hell you want to call it, it was. Absolutely, that color had never really been in my wheelhouse. Um, but oddly enough, I was super attracted to it when with Manchester City. I don't, I don't know what it was. And and I, I really just started to like them because of the uniform at first and the way that they played, which I'd already talked about was, was priority number one. But, you know, when a team looks good and plays well, you're like, well, let me find out more about this team. So I did research on CFG, on and I was blown away by what I discovered. And, and I read stuff by, you know, obviously, Dr. Gary James. And, and just reading up on, on what Mansoor and Caldoon's plan, I have a, a master's degree in, in public administration, and, and I've always found sporting... Uh, The reason I got it in nonprofit management is because most sporting teams are nonprofit uh, entities, though that's recently changed with various Supreme Court rulings over here, but that's neither here nor there. Um, The whole point behind that was uh, to to have experience in in running sports from that, a a sports team from that aspect. And so I've always been fascinated with the business side of things and, and seeing the plan that they have. Put me over the top, uh, and that's what what brought me on board with Manchester City. And I've been absorbing as much information as I possibly can. You know, reading David Mooney's book. I'm reading, I believe it's Mike Devlin, the, the secret history of a club with no history. Uh, mm-hmm. When 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 I pour myself into something, it's not a casual fan sort of deal. Like I want, I want to know about. The club. I want to know what's going on behind closed doors. I get just as pumped as anyone else for those Caldoon interviews, and I pick them apart word by word <laughs> and try and filter out, you know, what I know to be coach speak and such. Um, but yeah, man, I I I think that it's just such a well oiled and well run machine that it's sort of hard not to to have a man crush on it if if you're into sports business.
1: Right. And see my general stance on this this sort of thing, like picking you yeah, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I have I'm I have English heritage, but that's not the extent of it. Should I mention
0: I I'm
1: no a Pistons fan? Nice. <laughs> I have but I have no you know, I have no like links to England in any sort of sense. So I think for 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 people like us, I don't think, you know, for one, I don't think it's a problem if you want to cheer for a successful team, but I think the reasoning behind it, you know, is important. Like if you're going to cheer for a successful team and they stop being successful, if you're going to jump off that bandwagon, then, you know, no, that's kind of my stance on it. But I don't begrudge anyone who wants to, you know, who puts a lot of factors into picking a team because, you know, we're not, You know, there's no sentimental value. I cheer for Detroit teams because I'm from Detroit. There's no sentimental value in, you know, picking a team for overseas. You have, I think it's okay if you, you know, if you do include success as a factor. I think that's completely defensible, but I think the important thing is you have to stick with it. And I'm completely with you in the, like just throwing yourself into it. I completely understand that. I, basically care about Manchester City more than I care about half of the Detroit teams at this point.
0: I mean, that's the truth, man. Like, at this point, I am way more into, like, I even find myself, when I'm writing articles on USC, I'm still like, you know, I'd much rather be talking about Manchester City right now. (laughs) Mm Like,
1: it's, you know, I think, you know, as long as you're willing to throw yourself into it, stick with it, most importantly, and, you know, learn and you know, absorb it all, you know, I think I don't really have a problem with anyone picking up. Jumping on the front runner. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean as long as you're actually, you know, you're into it. If you're into it, I have absolutely no problem. Good for you. Whoever
0: you want, but know what your flag is before you fly it. Like know what it stands for, you know? That is a very good very good way to put it.
1: So that's basically my stance on that.
0: This needed to happen for me because I needed an outlet to talk about Manchester city because I love it so much. Like I get pissed that I don't have the occasion to talk about it more. So I hit up gray because he's always bitching on Twitter. I'm usually doing the same thing. It just felt like misery needed company and, and spelled with a K and, and right. as soon as I asked him, he was completely on board. I hit him up basically saying, "Hey, dude, uh, if you don't have to do anything, including pay for it, would you be down to start a Manchester City podcast with me?" And it was an agreement right out of the gate. Like we, it was we'd, very very easy. Yes, yeah. 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 Because we pretty much jumped into the logistical planning like right away. It was like, "Holy crap! Thank God somebody else wants to do this."
1: Yep. And I don't really have anyone else around here. Um, you know, I've I've ingratiated my girlfriend, so that's nice. But you know, outside of us, I don't personally know a lot of other Manchester City fans or any other Manchester City fans. So this is this is an outlet. This is an outlet for us Americans who are cut off from from the rest of the from the rest. You of can't the just walk yeah. into
0: a bar and assume that the person we're sitting down next to is is a blue, you know, like chances yeah. are the person I'm going to sit down next to is like, is going to say, you like that crap sport? It's so boring. There's <laughs> nothing but dudes kicking a ball around.
1: Or if you do find a soccer fan here, your odds are Manchester United, Chelsea, Or Manchester Liverpool. United. Yeah, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool and Arsenal to a lesser extent. Barcelona, Real Madrid. Odds are, it's going to be one of them.
0: And so. that, you know what? What was crazy? You know, one of the other reasons that I picked City is because even though they were, I guess you could say, a front runner at the time, all they'd really done is is win a couple of domestic trophies mm-hmm. compared to those other clubs. Like anything that's experienced beyond this point is entirely new ground for all of us. And I, that, having that experience with fans was so important to me. Like, you know, I, I could have just as easily picked United or Liverpool. And, and, and I have friends who are, are fans of both and have been since they were kids. And and they tried to get me to pick them. And, and it would have been easy. And I could have justified it. Hell, Manchester United signing Memphis Depay, you know, and or Louis mm-hmm. Van Gaal or any of the other Dutch players that have Van traditionally, Persie. yeah, Van Persie, any of these Dutch players that, that Manchester sit or Manchester United have turned into world beaters, you know, would have been too easy of a justification, but it wouldn't have been as fun because everybody else has been there before. But, when Guardiola takes this team to unprecedented heights, it's going to, sort of, it's going to be a, an experience for all of us. And, and I'm going to relish in that because I care, though it's been for a shorter amount of time, I care about this club every bit as much as people who've been following it their entire lives. And I'm just as excited as they are to experience success uh, at that level, and, and more importantly, I'm excited to share it with those fans. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see Manchester City grow here in America, and for, instead of me seeing United crap everywhere, start seeing City stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, when I started watching, you know, you're talking, winning a trophy being this enormous benchmark, and they hadn't won the league yet, It'd been, you know, so you're talking 44 years there. So I, everything, you're right. Every, we're witnessing by far the best period in the history of the club. And that's, that's cool. That's it is. It's really cool. And so, you know, but obviously we weren't at York away, but that's okay.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. I am okay yeah. with that.
1: I mean, it's, you know, call us what you want. We're secure in how we feel about this.
0: So. Yeah, and, and, you know, we're going to win you over with our passion anyway, so you can get on board now or learn to love us later. It's going to happen one <laughs>
1: way or the next. So <laughs> uh, Yeah, you're right. We should have done that first, but now that we've gotten it out of the way.
0: Good to Don the Naludo. Who do you want to start with, man?
1: Um, Let's do the one that's done instead and Good the one that is the one that's probably done. <laughs> so
0: I just think the I first know, one is more exciting. Anyhow, well, even if, even yeah. if they were both done, I would feel yeah. more excited about doing the one. That's what I, I know that you
1: had, we spoke on Twitter when it was happening and I know you had a couple reservations about it and I did not quite share all of, all of those reservations and I believe it was the injury record, which is not, you know, a lot of people have had reservations about Brindelon's injury record. But my point on that was it's not like company, Vincent Company, where it's the same muscle injuries over and over and over and over every three weeks. Um, it was... I mean, the most recent one was the knee, which is always an alarming thing to hurt if you're a footballer. But before that, it was the back. They're unrelated injuries. They're bad fluke injuries. But at the same time, the fact that they are unrelated, it gives me hope that this is just sort of something that has happened and will be okay going forward with.
0: Yeah, and many of those fears have been allayed by a lot of, of the stuff that has been tweeted with regard to the number of games he's played, even despite that injury. Uh, when you look at maybe what we think of as more healthy footballers who haven't quite fit in the same amount of football as Ilke has. So I'm not as, I guess you could say, uh, bent about that as I was do, however, Mm -hmm. think that for a club that has been suffering with massive amounts of injury problems in the midfield, making your first signing an injury, I'm not going to say prone, but somebody with a decent history, not a a, a pronounced history, but a decent history of injuries, and, and for the record, Though this thing is not related, his back is going to always be bad. As somebody right. with a bad back, I know that he's not going to improve. And 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 no one, there's no such thing as one back surgery. And I'm, right. I'm here to tell you that. So, uh, I I I was worried about that, but I I. I don't have issue with Gundawan being at the price that they were able to get him, with how excited he seems to 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 be at City, and his his ability as as a player. I, I've had many of those fears allayed. I I still right. think that City's transfer record has been poor enough, such that and signing you know, uh, an injured player as your first signing of the Guardiola era is going to make some people go, huh? But Gundogan is one of those players that is guaranteed to excite. And and I think that as we've talked about, he has the potential to be such a dynamic force in the midfield that the, the, the positives far outweigh any, you know, what what is scenarios that you're playing with his potential health. I mean, the right. man could go on to be per- – you know what? Kevin De Bruyne had basically zero history of injury prior to coming to City, but now he may very well have – we don't know. His knee looks like it's holding up, but it could only take one more thing. We, we've covered way too much American football to know that these tears tend to come up again in really odd ways especially for people who seem to be prone to ACL injuries, which isn't something that you know until you, well, know. Yeah. It's not something that really makes it self-evident until it is. And and, and and it's just one of those things where you're like, eh, whatever. You know, I got over it in time. So... Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm good with Gundogan, but I am a bit concerned by the fact that what started out as a promising transfer window now seems to be whittled down to some subpar attackers and a couple of defenders and nothing else in the midfield.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think they I agree that they need a second midfielder. But for, you know, it has been... Way too long since they signed. You know, they signed the last top midfielder who actually turned out to be a worthwhile investment that we have seen is Fernandinho. Because we've had since then, they have signed Delft and they have signed Fernando, and both of them have been, eh, if we're being generous. Fernando improved last year, but still, I don't think he's of the the caliber that you you know you'd expect to. A Manchester City to be signing on a regular basis or playing on a regular basis. That said, Gundogan for what certainly not pounds? at his
0: age either. I would add, like no, if he were yeah. young, if he were younger, you might be more okay with it because you just never know with Brazilian players. But at twenty nine, thirty years of age, like you, you have what you had.
1: Right. But you know, on the subject of Gundogan, twenty five years old has played at a very high level for several years. played in the champions league final. Didn't he score in that champions league final? It was a penalty. Yes, he did. I believe he scored in the champions league final. Um, um, you know, 25 years old, 20 million pounds, perfect for the system. He's still young on football. I think it's a no brainer. I think it's an absolute no brainer that you make that move when you move, when you deal injuries be damned. Um, so I'm perfectly you know I'm very excited about that, and I think this will it will go a long way toward making the midfield better, which I think has has been a problem spot over the last couple of years and I know Guardiola loves his pivote players, and this is a perfect perfect fit for that and It's no surprise that he had him earmarked as his first signing, having seen him in the German league It doesn't surprise me at all so You know, two thumbs up. If he gets hurt again, it sucks, but it was well worth the risk, in my opinion.
0: So, that takes us to... I was checking it out. I believe it was the semifinal in which he scored, uh, but I... uh, No, he did score in the final. I apologize. Bayern 1-2-1. Yeah, he did. He scored the penalty.
1: Yeah, he scored a penalty. I remember Vayuru right. that was him. Yeah, well, it won't be the it won't, it won't be the uh I'm it sure won't those be roles will reverse. Time, that's
0: what you wanted I'm, to say.
1: I'm <laughs> sure those roles will reverse themselves at some point so don't worry.
0: <laughs> so, I was just of checking.
1: Yeah. So, I think we're roughly in agreement on Gundawan, you know. If if it,
0: it it was
1: we're we're okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, the the second name that has come up has been, and it sounds like this is not a done deal, but it's close to a done deal and it's going to take something strange to scuttle it, is um, signing Nolito from Celta Vigo. I'm going to be honest, until the Euros, I had never seen this guy play. So I'm not remotely qualified to talk about, you know, what is he? What are we getting? The impression I get is, you know, people. I know the age is giving. He's twenty nine. He'll be thirty in October. Um, but he is a goal scoring wide player, and I do think there's a need there. And I think the uh, release clause is something in the neighborhood of thirteen million pounds. Um, to me, you know, again with the caveat that I've I saw him in the Euros. He's looked okay. He had a very one very good game with the Euros, but you know, I think then I don't think spending thirteen million on a uh, on a player is something that in you know a couple of years they're going to really regret doing. And high price swap, it seems like a pretty low risk move to me.
0: I I agree with you that it it, it is a low risk move, and I I think part of it is strengthened by the fact that. Nolito has a strong understanding of the type of football Guardiola wants to play. And having a a a sort of an orchestrator on the pitch, uh, which, you know, if you read Guardiola's autobiography – or biography, excuse me, from his time at Bayern, uh, Pep Confidential, um, you know, he talks about why that was so important to, for him to get Thiago – at Byron in the first place and, and why he basically said it's Thiago or it's no one you know mm-hmm. there there was a reason he wanted him there and I think that to some extent Nolito is going to be that translator for what is expected of the players on the pitch out of this system and I'm I'm totally understanding and in agreement with you at about 13 million dollars I I, I think that there are 13 million pounds, euros, whatever the hell it's going to be. I'm I'm totally fine with that. That's a perfectly reasonable rate. You look at Delft. um, I mean, he's going to be like what seven more than Delft. Um, So uh, it's it is what it is, and and I I just think that it's curious to me that City were linked with. It always seems to be City are linked with. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it ends up being, well, City ended up signing NSU Nall, Patrick Roberts, and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. Uh, Mm -hmm. But what happened to Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang? You know, what happened, you know, so on and so forth uh, to some of these other players that were mentioned. And and it just kind of feels like Nolito is this guy that sort of, maybe he was one of the names that had been on Guardiola's list, but he sort of seems like he was on the B roll, you know. Like, all mm-hmm. right, we, we whiffed we whipped in some other areas. Let's go ahead and get an And and I I just I I can't see him being much more than an afterthought. This is definitely not Thiago or nobody. Right. Um, and and my you know, like you said, he had a, a really good game at the Euros, but I also think he was piss-poor against Italy. I mean, he was just... Hey look, dude, that's going to happen against Italy's defense, but, I mean, he just he looked out of his depth. Mm-hmm. And, and while he's not going to see a defense that good, necessarily, on a consistent basis in the Premier League, he is going to see defenses as physical on a week-to-week basis in the Premier League and how easily he got bullied in that game is of a huge concern to me.
1: Mm-hmm. See, it feels kind of like, I don't think placeholder is the right word, but it's just sort of, you know, well, here's a de- here's a guy. Here's a guy who's going to be some, some depth because, you know, who does he displace If, if if City are planning on keeping... Obviously, De Bruyne is going to be involved. There is no indication that Silva's going anywhere. Sterling's going to be involved. And it's just sort of, you know, well, who did he displace then? It just sort
0: of feels like... Especially if Sine is coming on board, which, you know, we haven't even yeah. gotten to there. And it's like, okay, uh-huh. so now you have, I don't know how many potential people that can play out there on that wing... Uh, and if you're recruiting Obama Yang, like, uh, look, you're not going to sign somebody. There was no way anybody was ever going to convince me that City were going to sign Obama Yang to come off the bench for Agüero. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: there, like anybody who tries to to convince me of that is going to be pulled to kiss my ass.
1: Yeah. Like, and you're not. You don't spend sixty-five million euros on a bench player. No,
0: well, he's too good. He's simply yeah. too good. The guy is as good as advertised. He is a goal machine. If you you buy Obama Yang, you might as well put him up top, which you're not going to do because you have Aguero there. But when he is injured, you can move Obama Yang up top. But you're going to put him out wide on the right-hand side. That's exactly what you're going to do with him.
1: Right. And that's why, you know, all the people, you know, even a team like City is not going to spend exorbitant sums on guys who are not going to play regularly. It's just not going to happen. But you know,
0: even Raheem was, Sterling was given his chance.
1: Oh yeah, he was—he was a regular starter until you know he he got hurt and then he lost his form. Um, of course, which he was I still
0: think—I I actually think that toward the end of there. He wasn't not getting played because of a dip in form. I think that Pellegrini was just being stubborn at that point because nothing he was doing was working, so he wasn't about to play people in his mind. Like, Pelletje Nacho, who was scoring, couldn't even get minutes. I can't mm-hmm. imagine what Pellegrini thought if he felt Sterling could contribute. hmm But, you know, Nolito just
1: feels like sort of, you know, like you said, a translator. And just kind of a depth signing for me. I don't really think, you know, for... Which is odd.
0: I want to ask you something. You mentioned depth, but it's well known that Guardiola doesn't like to have extended squads. But it's also known that Guardiola is a guy who tries to adapt and learn. And he is smart. Look, I mean, it cannot be said enough. Common sense would tell Guardiola that the physicality of this league is going to force him. Force. Like, you cannot play in the Premier League with a small squad. You Mm -hmm. absolutely must have depth. It's just too physical. There are too many games. Way too many games. Moreover, he has never...
1: Yeah. He's never faced a league without a winter break before. That's another thing that I think he has probably realized and considered and is trying to adapt to, because in Spain, they had a winter break. In Germany, they had a winter break.
0: So let me ask you,
1: they're going to play more during the winter.
0: Do you think that Guardiola is going to have a a, a more expanded squad and possibly, as people have written, an A-team and a B-team? I
1: don't think he'll expand it too much. Because I think here he's going to try to find a line between squad big enough to do everything that it's needed to do and squad small enough to fit his tastes, which, as we know, you know, it's like 15, 16 senior players that he argues. I don't think he can get by with that, but I also don't think we're suddenly going to get it. He's going to start with a team of like
0: 21, 22. See, I was thinking I- 2021. 20, I was thinking, yeah. like, five five youth players available, maybe 19. I could see him signing a squad of 19. But I don't know that there are so many players that are, like, first-team ready like some of Byron's were. But then again, I'm not Guardiola. And if Guardiola thinks somebody's first-team ready, then I'm going to watch and, and shut up. Yeah. I mean, you had guys who got, you know, who got –
1: minutes this year from the youth camp. Manu Garcia played a couple, you know, he got some minutes. The
0: Garcias, for that matter. Yeah, the
1: Garcias both got, a couple guys got minutes. So, you know, I think, well, I think he'll probably get a better idea when he comes on this weekend, which still doesn't seem real. But when he comes on, you know, this weekend into next week, and the weeks going after, and you know, I think because a lot of players are still going to be either on a break after the Euros or the Copa America or still at the Euros, I think he's going to evaluate, you know, what, okay, who do I think could theoretically help the first team this year and who couldn't, and where does that leave me, and who do we? where else do we need to look at?
0: So you know, I thought Justin Atariobo, he- man, I, uh, you know, team Camper, Cameron Humphreys impressed in, in that preseason game against Real Madrid. I realized mm-hmm. the final score w- was a bit different, but I'm not sure that all of those failings were because of the center back pairing. And on top of that, it's flipping Real Madrid.
1: Who went on to
0: win the European Cup, by the way? So, you know, I, I don't know that you could expect a 16-year-old and, what, a 20-year-old, I think it is. Uh, um, I, I could be wrong about Tosin's age. Um, but, but yeah, I, I mean, look, the, the, those kids were well, – they, they acquitted themselves, I thought, fairly well in – I would like to see more inclusion of those types of players getting games here and there. Is is, is, is I just, think would yeah, be ideal, he's,
1: right? He's only eighteen, by the way. So
0: oh, okay, he's really bye, bye. than he thought. Good,
1: good. So, Fact yeah. check
0: me, man. Even better. Yeah, but
1: yeah, I think I think he will have to expand the squad for his case a little bit, given the reality of playing in England with a team that basically expects to challenge on four fronts. So I think he'll have to adapt to that a little bit. But I don't think he's going to really expand it too much. I think he's going to find sort of a happy medium for him. Um, Fair enough. But I'm not, you know, I don't really know. (laughs) Nobody really knows.
0: That's the thing with Guardiola. You don't know.
1: We don't even know how he's going to play. You know, when they were chasing two center backs, there was so much speculation that it was going to be three at the back with wing backs, And that's, you know, no one knows. He's, uh, he's going to adapt to the personnel he has, whatever that ends up being.
0: So, you know. And a lot of people just... that most people assumed were gone, like... I said this too. I'm like, a lot of people thought novice out. I'm like, Danny, you just, when a guy comes in, just because you or a lot of people have universally panned the guy, doesn't necessarily mean that Guardiola is going to feel the same way. And I thought, I mean, I feel like Bonnie is the low hanging fruit. That's easy to point out. He'll be gone. But I just wasn't sure about some of the other names that, that, that people have mentioned. You know, I'm like, ah, I think you maybe end up being wrong about that. And Novice mm-hmm. was one of those people. And sure enough, like, Novice is going to be sticking around. And it looks like Touré is going to be sticking around. And both of those guys were being written prepared for the exit door. The, one I, the, one
1: that, the only one that really actually surprised me was Fernando. Because I just didn't think he was mobile enough for a Guardiola midfield, but apparently they're you know, and that might just be a product of we cannot sign enough midfielders in this window to replace all the you know. That's
0: what but, I think it
1: is. Yeah, but you know that's the that's the only one that actually surprised me. If that makes sense?
0: Um, yeah, I I think I would I'm not have I'm not completely shocked that he's
1: keep yeah. Oh well, I would be shocked if Colorado stays but i have also haven't really heard anything about him leaving so um ultimately i was not completely surprised that navas is apparently going to stay and um i'm not completely well you know and we we'll talk about tori cuz that one's kind of a weird saga right now um but those you know i think all the other guys that they're being linked to right now. And you look at John Stones is the one that I think will happen.
0: Um, Especially now with England getting dumped out. In yeah, they can, they
1: can move that one. <laughs> they can move that one along now.
0: Um, and the only other one you hear about
1: that sounds, you know, like it has legs is um Sine. Because the... Aubameyang links have quieted some. Um, It doesn't sound like, at the moment, Tony Kroos is leaving Real Madrid, which is the one that I would love more than any other, but it just doesn't sound like it's going to happen right now. Um, You know, and that means, you know, well, who else? Because I have a hard time believing that's it. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean... (laughs) If if, it, if that is it, I, I have two primary concerns, and, and, and that's that maybe, you know, City just can't get people here like they thought they could, and, and people still view La Liga as the end-all be-all, which they're always going there is always going to be a certain amount of that. But when you look at the Premier League as a whole, when you look at the managers that are now in, Antonio Conte, you have Jurgen Klopp, you've got Pep Guardiola, uh, you've got Arsene Wenger, whatever your thoughts on him may be, you know. Uh, Mourinho.
1: Uh,
0: Mourinho, Koeman, um There there are a, even Slavin Bilic. you know. I mean, there are guys in there that with middling teams that are really good managers this league before too long is going to be a destination league, but it might not be there yet. And I mm-hmm. think that that may be part of their problem is that people see the money, but they're like, yeah, but the league, man, like, what about the league? Right. And, and, and I think the league's about to work itself out with, with the money and the coaches that are coming in, you know, even mm. though I remain massively unimpressed by United thinking that a 34-year-old aging striker who did virtually nothing in in the Euros is going to be the salvation. Yeah,
1: and I do think that some people took notice. First of all, I don't begrudge anyone if they go running on Barca or Madrid come calling. Um, Second of all, can can we be honest? The The league was terrible last year. It was awful. With all due respect to Leicester, it, that shouldn't have happened. If anyone were up to their standards, it wouldn't have happened. And that's, again, that's not meant to be a knock on Leicester City. But <laughs> the league was really, really poor last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, the even point totals and, and just the losses, column. I mean... It, it it the whole thing felt like a conference USA. Like it was just <laughs> you know, hey. I, I mean, honestly in in, in some ways the, the Premier League were kinda lucky to, to keep their fourth spot. Right.
1: And, you know, and and I just you know, I can't see that happening again for for one thing. Too many good
0: coaches hired this summer. That's that's, that's yeah, why I, the league is is headed a different direction. I think
1: Chelsea United will be better. I think Liverpool will be better now that Klopp is getting to implement what he wants, and uh, City will be better. Arsenal, I have no idea, but you know Arsenal are always such a wild card. I don't know. I, don't yeah, but I like to now. think
0: that Wenger plays up to to his competition. You know, they play up or they play down, and, and yeah. if as Arsenal haven't been playing at a really high level because nobody else really has been. But you look at when Arsenal have been at their best, it's when everybody else in the Premier League's actually been contributing on a European scale and, and doing mm-hmm. in doing things in both the Europa League and the Champions League. Now it just seems to be falling at a time when prior to city making the semifinal this year and, and really being a, a, just a single goal away from, from playing in the final, uh, it, 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 most people even looked at that and said it was sort of a fluke. Like there was, there weren't any strong writers out there from, from what I can remember really saying, hey, let's talk about how amazing it is that City are in the semifinals. Most people were like, mm. City bumbled their way in here. And the, the the part about that that's the funniest is that you can't, or I can't, and maybe you can, I, I can't and won't even argue against that. They, they no. kind of did, even though it was a historic achievement. It didn't feel
1: like... You know, and this isn't supposed to be like small-time thinking or anything, but it just didn't feel like they were supposed to be there. It felt like some sort of accident that this all happened. This is sort of, you know, this confluence of fates that, oh, well, we're here. It just felt really strange. I didn't feel like what I thought it would, you know, what you'd expect it would feel like.
0: Yeah, you you reach a... uh, a a Champions League semifinal, and, and you expect to, to almost be like Juventus fans or Athletic fans who, who were through the moon about this, like City fans were pissing and moaning about the pricing of Champions League and, and saying, why are we going to go and show up for a crap performance when it ended up being only one goal in the entire thing? Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it, it it is just humorous. To, to to some extent. That even City's fans didn't necessarily care that they were there.
1: Well, I don't think City fans as a whole have really taken to the Champions League for a variety of reasons. But, you know, I I think the league form didn't help either because, you know, it it's hard to, you know, watch them get shredded by Leicester and Tottenham and the span of two weeks and then okay well now we're going to play PSG now pay up you know I can I can understand why it was sort of like do we really want this and that in that moment I can understand it but it just felt like this sort of alternate universe that was happening in, within a terrible season I don't really know how to explain it but it it's just you know it didn't feel right it really didn't. It's
0: like when you have a club surprise, is the best way I can put it. It's like everybody in college is hooked up with that one person where you wake up the next day and you're like, so that happened? Uh, <laughs> all right. And and that's really like all you've got on it, you know? And, and and that's basically what it was. It's just like the minute they reach the semifinals, you're like, okay, so that happened, and now they play Madrid, who mm-hmm. I thought were really beatable and proved themselves to be probably the weakest team that won the Champions League uh, since Chelsea. I mean, I don't I know what Madrid were well, last you know, year, but not, cohesive, wasn't it? I, mean, if,
1: if, I think if, if Muller converts that penalty in the semifinal against Letty, they win it. They go on and they beat Atletico and then they beat Real in the final. But, you know, that's not really relevant. Um, I didn't, you know, they weren't even that great in the final. I didn't think it wasn't like a flawless performance, and I didn't think that they were that great in either leg against Manchester City. Um,
0: no, in the, the final 10 minutes there, City really had a yeah. opportunity. They, they pushed.
1: Yeah, I mean it's you know it, I didn't I I said this immediately after that game and the second leg at Madrid and it's roughly the same thing that Caldoon said in his year end video was that I can accept defeat if it feels like they have you know given it their best shot and done everything they can and it just didn't feel like they did.
0: Yeah, I I also shared a lot of sentiment with Chaldean about that game. You you feel like you you know in American football we say leave it all on the field. You know I'm sure mm-hmm. leave it all on the pitch is is also pretty popular of a saying. But you just kind of felt that there was so much left on the pitch that game, like so many efforts, so many uh, just so, so many performances that could have been even just a little bit better, you know, just a little bit more attention to detail shown a little bit more, uh, a- aggression, a little less passivity, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I can understand not wanting to give up the counter to, you know, a team of Cristiano Ronaldo and Gareth Bale, but, you know, it's not exactly like Manchester city had marijuana Fellaini going forward, you know, yeah. I, they, they have decent weapons to to make city, uh, or excuse me, to 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 make that defense respect them. And you know when you look at Madrid, it, Pepe is like a walking yellow card. For that matter, so is Sergio Ramos. Um, and and both fullbacks are now well, maybe Carvajal is 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 a solid defender, but Marcelo certainly is an offensive-minded fullback. Like, you have pace on on, on the edges to, to to burn and to make those guys pay for going forward, and, and City never did. Right. I would have rather
1: gone for the jugular and lost 3-0 than what actually happened. I would have legitimately felt better about that.
0: Yeah. Honestly, if City stood toe-to-toe, with Real Madrid and got KTFO'd. Like, okay, you know, man, like you stepped into the octagon with a, a 10 time European champion and you got knocked out. Like, but hey, you stepped in there, man. Props. Thanks for taking the fight on short notice and, 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 you know, good luck, man. But I mean, this was just sort of like, this wasn't even a professional performance.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. But, you know, and I think I I um, I um just, it was hard for, it's hard to accept that because it's been their goal for so long to get to that point in the Champions League and they get there and they do that. It was just so hard for me to, you know, to, to sort of make sense of that. It's just like, if you can't get up for this, what can you get up
0: for? It's like getting to the Super Bowl, and you're like, "Cool, we're here, you know? we're here. All right, man, let's go and party." You know, yeah. like basically how USC treats every bowl game that's not <laughs> not a BCS or or playoff, I guess, bowl mm-hmm. game. You know, all right, man, we got we got selected Free to trip. the eighty eighty two or uh, ninety two Freedom Bowl versus Fresno State. Let's not show Free up. Trip. Free trip with a goodie bag. Yep. Yeah, and, we get- and that performance, it rigged of that. And, and, and you know the most disappointing thing about that, just to sort of echo on what you said, that in that game, you kind of felt like, okay, even if I tried to accept that they didn't do anything, like, if... If there had even been better performances from some of the names that you would have expected, like, but even Aguero just kind of felt like he was casually there that day. And it was just like, seriously, you, you picked today to check out.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you. So. We we talked about, you know, possible incoming and how it seems like a lot of it has dried up. And, uh, and shift that to potential outgoings, you know, today it sounds like Zabaleta is going, which is disappointing from a personal standpoint, but, you know, I can understand it. Nobody's losing any
0: sleep on this from from a playing standpoint, right. but a lot of it's people a, are losing sleep on this from a personnel standpoint. Yeah, it's a it's a sentimental thing,
1: but you know, personally, I can I can understand it. And you know, you look at the roster, the the squad right now. You know, who else goes? They say they're keeping Sanya, which all right, fine. Uh, they say Navas is staying. Fernando is apparently staying. Um, so that leaves um, leaves you with um, guys like Mangala, who I think was gone if they had signed Laporta and Stones, but now that Laporta has re-upped with Bilbao, I think he might stay, and I'm perfectly fine with that.
0: We were actually in agreement on that one. Do you we want to shed, shed a little light on why? I, I've hauled a lot of the other good points. you want to take this one? I'm,
1: well, the thing is, I think, you know, first, he's still young enough that he's not a lost cause. And second, he has all of the physical attributes you look for in a defender. It's just that footballing brain that he has always lacked. And in my in my opinion, if, you know, give him a year with Pep, And if he can't make inroads, then, you know, whatever. No one can. Move on. But I think it's worth giving a try for a year. You've invested that much in him already. And, you know, you see the flashes. And where else are you going to get a defender who's of sufficient caliber? Assuming you sign stones and you still want a second one, where? Where is it going to come from? I'm not sure that they can get another defender of the caliber that is required, so you know what? I'm all right with it. Give it a year.
0: We can revisit this after the season, but right now or I'm okay even with or it. even in the, the, the winter window i i'm yeah if if he's showing nothing by way of improvement come December, like cool, you know if you can get him out of there then and, and get somebody in. Uh, uh, I'm fine with that. The only thing that I'd add on to it is that I also, and I mentioned this early on in the podcast, I do not think that Pellegrini was a, a developmental coach versus Guardiola, who is known for being a developer. Even guys who are aging players, he completely reinvented Ribery, man. Like, look, I, there don't seem to be a lot of guys who are past Guardiola's ability to, 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 to coach. And like you said about the, the, the size, the pace, the strength, what we've seen out of him against even, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimović kept him quiet, man. Uh, look, that's the kind of stuff that, that, that the, if, if Guardiola can't build on that in, in a year or six months or whatever the hell, you know, four months, eight, five months, then then, yeah, move him on. But I'm... We were in total agreement about taking that year and and seeing what you got because nobody, not Mancini, not not, uh, Pellegrini, not Vieira, nobody was going to be able to do with him what Pep could do. So uh, I I say give it a year, and, and like you said, we can revisit the conversation.
1: Just look at him physically, and he looks like he should have everything that a Guardiola defender would need.
0: And so, Guardiola did this with somebody that City already ejected and is yeah. now considered a world class defender. They've already They're done, done this one. Yeah, like you, you, history is there to be learned from. Like, learn from it.
1: Yep. Yeah. Do we think Torrey stays or do we think Torrey goes?
0: Um, I, you know, honestly, I, I think Toure stays uh, largely because City are not going to, I think, meet Inter, and I am not sure that Inter's even new investors are are necessarily going to splash the cash for an aging defender uh, or an aging uh, player who, by and large, is seen as only showing up part of the time. Um, it, it's really hard to injusti- justify the investment that city are going to demand, even if they agree to take a percentage of, of a cut and just wash their hands. Toure commands so much that it's going to be really difficult to move that contract. And then you have to factor in some of the places that would move that contract. What, once Toure shot down China – that kind of handicapped city, yeah. Like I kind of, I kind of thought that once he said there is no flipping way I'm playing in China. Like once he was adamant about that, I kind of just assumed that it was going to be really difficult to get rid of him, and he would just move on on a free. And maybe at, at at the worst, out of club loyalty, he would re-up to a different contract with, with a deferred payment system that would allow City to move him. If if you know City were to sit down with him and say, All right, dude, if, if we're gonna do this, you need to help us get something out of you on the end of this. Like at the very least you you could do that for us if we're going to continue to ride this out with your pain-in-the-ass agent, you know, who who goes out of his way to cause crap. The guy is a walking Jerry Springer episode.
1: Yes. And
0: I find it telling that
1: not even he is agitating for the move anymore.
0: Right, because I think the city of told, yeah, yeah, like, we'll entertain this,
1: but if he says one yeah. frickin'
0: word, like, you're gone, and, and we are going to sell you to China.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's, you can go if you... I think the stance is you can go if you want to go, but we're going to do this normally. They have to pay for you, and you're going to have to figure out how the wages work. And I just don't think that happens. Yeah. So, they hold out for a year. Um. Do you think anyone else goes from the current squad? I think Colorado has to. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't
0: see any value in Kolarov. I don't... I, I
1: don't see what Pep could do with Kolarov.
0: I don't... Truly care to see what Pep could do with Colorado, <laughs> which I suppose is a whole different argument. Um, yeah, man. Look, D- Denayer is is supposedly fully capable of playing the right back position. I'm I'm not entirely sure why we, at, or City as a club, seem to be content to let him play everywhere else but Manchester City when all signs point to this guy is actually pretty freaking good um, in some capacity. So uh, I, I am fine if Colorado stays as nothing more than, like, a backup to give Denier a break or to, to, to give, uh, uh, you know, wherever they end up playing him uh, uh, a, a break. Um, but I I'm of the same mindset as you. Like he probably should just be moved on, man. Like he, mm-hmm. you, you know. Take or anything you can get for him. I really don't care. Yeah, a bucket um. of balls.
1: <laughs> Some uh, dinner at Mando's. You know, whatever. I'm alright. Whatever.
0: whatever, it takes, man. Whatever.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, I think Cliche stays because one, he counts his home run, and two he's competent enough yeah um, I think he's that, not he's that that not complete ass yeah um do you think Nasri could go because that sounds like with all the flowers they're interested in you know I I'm think not sure why they, they would... would I don't either I thought he would be perfect for what they would want to do
0: yeah I mean
1: it, he's Frank Marie like... right yeah it sounds like they would be, you know, if someone wanted him, they would be willing to move him on is the impression that I get. And that does surprise me because I would have thought he would have fit exactly like Especially they
0: with. Especially when your other left midfield option has a nagging ankle injury and yeah. even at the Euros doesn't appear to to be fully fit. Um, and, and on top of that, you went out with, with these plans to sign all these center backs, and you have Gundogan.
1: You know, I, I yeah. mean,
0: so I, I just, I, I guess Nolito could be a direct replacement, but I see Nolito as, as more of a winger, and I see Nazri as more of a midfield option, who can boss a game and, and open up defenses for guys like Nolito. Um, and on top of that, if we're being honest, look, this may be just a weird opinion that I have, but in Europe, David Silva never impresses me. I think Sammy Nazri is a much better option come European game. I I've felt that way all last year, and I don't think anything that I saw out of David Silva truthfully Impressed me. I mean, even to the point where, like, you know, it was a preferred option to have De Bruyne in that t- number ten spot, traditionally mm-hmm. earmarked for for Dave Spanish Dave. Yeah. And and it's the, I would be fine if he was moved on. I don't think Nasri's the guy that they should be moving on.
1: I think Nazri's ball retention skills, in particular, are something that you know no one else in the squad can really offer and I think they did miss him in the Champions League because they unregistered him to get out Yep. Mm-hmm. They missed him. And they missed him once he was fit. And I think it would be you know and his I think ball it would be retention
0: skills were evident in those games that he was able to come back and spell out Silva so that Silva mm-hmm. could play in those Champions League games and do nothing. Uh Masri, like the, his ball retention skills in those games and some of those more difficult games, like he was even a reason that City were were in some of them.
1: Mhm. So I think I think it would be premature. I would still be surprised if they couldn't find a fit for him. But I guess we'll find out.
0: Yeah, so, I, I'd be yeah. Ups, I I wouldn't be upset in a traditional sense. I'd be upset more like, oh, that's sad. You know, like, yeah. I, 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 I mean, but this thing is a business. Um, as for who else I think is gone, I, I, I think Delph, I don't, I, I just don't. I, I thought Delph was, was, of, of a decent quality, but I've since changed my mind on him. Um, he offers a decent enough amount going forward, though I'm not convinced he's as good on the ball as he was originally hyped up to be. I think Mm -hmm. it just happened to be that City's defense gave him all the time in the world on the ball, and generally speaking, if you do that with any competent player, they should be able to do something. Um, Mm -hmm. But once he was called into service for City that he didn't deliver on any level close to, and, and... Maybe that was because of injuries, but I'm not inclined to think that it was because the the only real time that you ever saw him have an impact was in those early games in in the preseason before he wound up getting that history. and then there was really nothing about it after that um so I think you could move him on, obviously Zabaleta seems like he's on his way out the door we talked about um I, I, I mentioned Spanish Dave would be somebody I wouldn't terribly mind seeing moved on, and as odd as it sounds, uh, I, I it, look if either Vincent Company or Nicholas Cotamendi were moved on, it wouldn't upset me as long as City were able to then replace that with something of a decent val like if you can get John Stones in there and that's why you let uh uh, uh Otamendi go, like that's 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 reasonable, you know? Um mm-hmm. or or you call up one of one of the young center backs and you're like, this guy's got all the qualities I need. Give me a year and a half and this guy will be playing at a level like well above where he's at. Like that type of stuff um, I would be totally okay with, I, I'm, I tend to think that once you start to have the type of injuries that Vincent company has, it's perpetual that they, 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 they seem to be, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think it takes much for him at this point, And, and I think he's played a lot of football. And yeah. uh, maybe he proves me wrong by staying healthy, but I don't think he will. And and by and large, people that size don't stay completely healthy for long. Like I'm, look, man, I'm six foot five, two hundred and twenty one pounds, like, and I'm falling apart at thirty three. Like they, they're. You can only be so big and 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 move that well and, and marshal a defense like that for so long, especially when you play as physical as City have played and as Belgium play and as company tends to play. And like it just wouldn't shock me if his body is like this is the beginning of the end for him. So I do think that there in and in either way. Even if you look at company and say, Not, I'm 100% convinced that he's going to remain healthy. Okay, cool. Otamendi can still go. You know, like, apparently the best defender in La Liga means something much different than, than, it, than it means in English. Uh, because that dude hits the deck more than anybody I have seen in, in, in recent memory, man. Like... He is for, he plays a lot like I do on FIFA or did before I learned how to play the game, you know, just sort yeah. of slide tackling everyone, picking up cards when you pick up cards and, and just, I'm going to charge out and win this ball because I've got an 87 defender. Like, he just kind of plays like that and, and it's never, it, it can be exciting when it works but it's so much more often frustrating than exciting. And um, I think it works well when you have somebody alongside him that can sort of rein him in. And and that's why with company or, or with Mangala, it, it sort of seemed to work. But you don't really know, and it's difficult to say how bad or good Otamendi is, because City never really had a reliable pairing system at the back at any point last season. Like, how much of that again can you pin on Pellegrini? Like, mm-hmm. it just kind of—it kind of feels like if Otamendi hadn't been thirty-five million, then this wouldn't be an issue. But just like Mangala, he is, and it is.
1: I don't think any of the guys they signed last summer will be moved. I don't think Pellegrini did Delph any favors playing on the left of midfield either. But, you know, I think he's a bit part player. And, um, you know, I just, I don't think they'll move them after a year. Next summer, maybe. Although I I roughly agree with you, you know. um, But, you know, I think that's, you know, I don't know that there's a lot they can move on. It's you know they've kind of backed themselves into a corner on some of these things.
0: Yeah, you know, a year ago when those rumors were flying around about Real Madrid possibly coming in with a sixty or seventy million uh, offer for Aguero, I was like, hell no, hell no. Now I'm like, you know, that money could be spent on let." Like. <laughs>
1: Did, I, I would, yeah, I would never sell Aguero, but they, they just they don't have a lot of players with resale value right now.
0: If they you could don't. get the kind of cash that, that that he would command by a Real Madrid or a Barca. Like if, if if Barca had to please Messi at that time to before you know the Suarez thing. Now I don't think you upset that Trident. I can see Real Madrid coming in, uh, but but I I don't I don't know that that. Sergio would ever actually go and play for Real. Um, I know I know that he's talked about it, uh, playing in Spain and, and playing for one of those clubs, but I, I think he's got a lot of Barca connections. I, I just, you know, I think that would have been a better move for him, and at this point in his career, it would be more fulfilling for him to go back and play in Argentina than it would be to move on and deal with what you get to deal with on a weekly basis at Real Madrid. Like, the type of player and man that he is, you know, Manchester City fans completely respect his anonymity, really. You know, the guy has has nothing but what look like PR tweets go out, and he's a choir boy who doesn't go and do it thing. And, and, and Real demands so much more of, of their signings, especially people who cost 65 or 70 mil. Like, you're going to be expected to do a lot more, say a lot more, and be front and center a lot more. And I just think that's not congruous to, to, to his lifestyle. And and I think that Barca, you can probably get away with that a lot more. Um, it's just... Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I... I feel like even if you look at Aguero's performance in the Copa uh, America this summer, and it's not necessarily all down to Aguero because, you know, Higuain's now missed sitters in three straight finals. Like, at what point is that guy not the envy of of some stuff um, or or the target of, of some criticism? Like, I feel like a lot of the stuff being tossed on Messi... And I said this on a different podcast that, you know, Sergio's ducked a lot of responsibility on this and he needs to be better. Like the, the Sergio that plays for Argentina is table Sergio. And the Sergio that plays for Manchester city has direct TV. You know, it, it, there, there are two different Sergio's and, there comes a point where I think his body is going to get in. So if somebody were to come in with an offer that was just like, Yeah, you know, you, you can move him on and then 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 buy the team dinner afterwards. I I don't want to see him gone. Just that type of business would not completely upset me.
1: Okay, that makes sense. And I will say he only played like what hundred some minutes at the uh, at, at the Coke America, which is you know well, fine by me.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of that though had to do with performance base too. Yeah. Though. Like I'm sure there was some pressure from from cities saying, "Nah, keep that dude healthy." Like Guardiola is going to want him, but at the same time, like Argentina were in it to win it, and and Sergio was getting the chances until he just. Kept being anonymous. Kept, you know, just wasn't there. wasn't wasn't doing it. And that's when Higuain started getting the chances. And well, we know what he did with his chances. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know, man. It, it it the minutes. It it you you really just don't know how much of it was was what you can't assign a percentage value to how much of it was was City asking for him to be played at a lower amount because of everything and maybe some additional injury concerns and how much of it was just him being put on the bench because he was anonymous in most of those games. Yeah.
1: All right. Real quick. England out of the year, I was against Iceland and the two Manchester city players seem to be the, uh, scapegoated very frequently for England's perceived underachievement. And I just wanted to get thoughts on, you know, first Raheem Sterling, who I think has been playing barista of confidence for months now. Um, and I think that the criticism is largely completely over the top. Um, and Joe Hart, who definitely made it A pretty glaring error that he shouldn't be making yesterday. But at the same time, you know, I don't think Joe Hart is a worse goalkeeper today than I did two days ago. You know, it doesn't change my opinion of him. I know these things are, you know, people color their opinions of players in one game, how they perform in a final or.
0: Very reactionary.
1: Yeah, very reactionary. And, you know, I think. The Sterling obsession in particular annoys me and makes me angry actually, because it's so over the top. He's twenty one. You know what I pointed out.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I pointed out is it is it, almost it's almost insane to me that Raheem Sterling and James Milner, by and large, had situations that fans of, of both clubs could feel hard done by. City tried to accommodate Milner in every single possible way, but because Milner wasn't getting one thing, like he opted not to re-sign with Man City despite being offered wages that truthfully he probably doesn't deserve. Um and And you know the the way that he negotiated with city wasn't really of that that, that that somebody who who seemed receptive to stay. it seemed to be somebody who was playing ball um and and knew that he was likely going to get a better offer from a different club, Liverpool. He'd been connected with him. um And you know, nobody really got on Milner about it. Um, I mean, he took a little bit of flack. I'm, I, he, he took maybe a, a shelling or two in the newspaper uh, just saying like, well, hey man, you know, what's it going to take to, to get you to put your name on the paper? City are clearly trying to show you that they care. And and you're kind of being nitpicky at this point. Um, usually people treat this as the starting point for negotiations and it seems to be a cutting block for you. Um, and and for sterling it was a case of him really keeping his mouth shut and ad ward doing way too much talking but if you look at it didn't okay the, the interview didn't help sterling but i can understand why sterling gave it when he knows probably firsthand how much of an idiot ward can be and at that point sterling probably felt as most young people do in those situations, that their voice isn't being heard. Uh, uh, You know, like the adults have have screwed up what what they mean. And I think that that's what that interview was. I didn't quite take it the same way that that Liverpool fans were affronted by this. But, But Liverpool fans continue to call that guy a snake when A... He wasn't even a part of their youth system. Like, let's get that out of the way right now. He had been at Liverpool the exact same amount of time that James Milner had been at Manchester City. He owed Liverpool as much loyalty as James Milner owed Manchester City. And Milner was welcomed with open arms by Liverpool fans. And Raheem Sterling is a backstabbing son of a bitch. And it doesn't make sense. It's so stupid. It makes no sense. The, the, there's, there's a level of entitlement that Liverpool fans have uh, placed on their importance in Sterling's career. Um, like Brendan Rodgers did so much for everybody, you know. Like I, the, the revisionist history on, on what Liverpool were able to offer Sterling at that time, whereas the known plan in Manchester City, like we covered at the very beginning of this podcast, was going back to 2012. It was going to be Guardiola. And Sterling knew that and probably had seen evidence of very positive discussion. And, and I'm sure that Sterling looked and saw who else was, was, you know, being associated with and where those negotiations were at and felt like, hey, man, City aren't spending this kind of money because Guardiola ain't coming. Like, you know, he probably knew just as much as everyone else associated with City seemed to know that Guardiola's coming to the club. And if you're Raheem Sterling and your choice is Brendan Rodgers in one hand, and Pep Guardiola on the other, with a year of Manuel Pellegrini in between, there are so many stones on the Guardiola plate that, that it's, it's going to take a, a, a blue whale being dropped on the side of Brendan Rodgers' scale to, to, to even bring the thing to level. And, and it's just it, it's absurd that he was chastised for wanting to be a part of that just a year early.
1: I don't think Liverpool fans can comprehend that Manchester City is a better destination than Liverpool right now, and for the foreseeable future. I think that's difficult for some people to accept because, you know, the stereotype just gets thrown around. Oh, he went for the money. No, he didn't. You know, I mean, yes, he got a nice payday out of it, but there is ambition there and Manchester City are, for the foreseeable future, more well-positioned to win things than Liverpool. This is a fact. There is no way... To As was this. evidenced
0: by the fact that Manchester City won something when they met Liverpool.
1: Yes. And Liverpool finished eighth in a bad league. I mean, it's... it's it is, you know... It's not an opinion. They simply have more resources... They have been the better team over the last several years.
0: Youth system is, no, is
1: clearly, clearly yeah, better. There is no reason to believe that any of that is going to change. And it's just, you know, I don't, you know,
0: I, I it's, it's hard to explain. Because, but, you know, it's, this club didn't even make it to the, through the, through the this winter transfer window without the confirmation of Guardiola. Exactly at what point do you think Raheem Sterling came in on those negotiations if, in fact, that was already the case? You you know what I'm saying? Like When Sterling was entering into these negotiations, there is no way on God's green earth he wasn't privy to, to some of this information with Guardiola and and where things were at because Guardiola didn't whimsically uh, 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 sign with Manchester city just a couple months later. Like, I mean, this is, uh, it's, it's foolish to think that Sterling wasn't made aware of where city were going and Liverpool, they hadn't, at the start of the season, there was no thought of Klopp, you know, Uh, I mean, maybe because you know he said he was going to retire but i think that even started mid year didn't it
1: yeah it was like sabbatical i think you said he was going to do but there was no limitation. yeah, indication. yeah was
0: it was it was it was just sort of out of nowhere so yeah. y- y- you know at that point all liverpool and raheem sterling knew to to be sure was that brendan rodgers was there and that the the, the the Fenway Sports Group had come out and said, oh, yeah, we are in support of, of Brendan Rodgers. You know, we're standing behind him right now. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, all right, man, if this is the guy that, that you think is the best equipped to lead this team, then I'm going to go ahead and go with the club that's got, like, the best coach in the world coming on board, plus is offering me a pay raise like it is stupid that we're even talking about why he should or should not have taken that off this is like being given your dream job with the best available resources and then being told that you're an idiot for taking advantage of it like Mm -hmm. like being offered a scholarship to the best school on earth and and being, saying nah man i'm I'm going to go ahead and pay for this junior college year,
1: yeah, I think that about sums it up. I have nothing yeah. to add to,
0: <laughs> but I would say on heart like I think that Hart is more deserving of the criticism than raheem sterling i I think that hart he sort of welcomed or put himself in this position when he opened up his mouth about having nothing to do, even though he caused his team to have to go into a last minute panic mode to uh, 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 capture a game from Wales because he completely misplayed a Gareth Bale free kick. He seemed to think that he had nothing to do in the whole tournament. And this is sort of a really arrogant approach. Uh, that I thought, and it it was sort of fitting that, that, that Joe Hart had those errors after those comments were sort of put out there. And, and you, you know, I hate that crap, man. Like I do, I truthfully do. I don't, I don't understand why at that level, and I get that to, to be great. You have to have an ego, but there are a lot of great to prove time and again that you can be a humble great you, you know you don't you don't have to say "My penis is bigger than yours now, let me show you you know it, it it i I don't know why Hart said that, but it certainly felt like karma that that's what happened to it,
1: yeah, I think he embraces that you know leadership spokesman' role. And, some t- and he does say things like that. And, you know, when you're winning, it's fine. But when you're losing, you have to, you know, you have to pay the piper. And, you know, to his credit, he went out there and said I wasn't good enough. So, you know, good for him. But in the future, it's probably, you know, speak with your play, I so, think.
0: Am I noticing things? Uh, because my, my biggest criticism of heart, like you said, it, it, your opinion of him wasn't going to change uh, based on the outcome of, of anything that happened at the Euros. And I'm with, you, but, but it's worth being said that I didn't think Hart was a top keeper prior to entering the Euros. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and when City were linked with Churchstagen, I was one of those people who felt that that was an upgrade and still oh, think yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I realize that Ter has his flaws, but you know what? There there are things that can be worked out. Um, And he's young. Um, Joe Hart, I don't know if I'm crazy, but he seems to have a problem with shots from distance.
1: Yes, I agree with that. I think he's much better from close range than he is from long range.
0: Yeah, it's like Lionel Messi can enter the box um, and 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 he'll shut him down. Say what what you will about Messi's penalty kicking abilities, uh, but even even in in through the run of play, like Lionel Messi can dribble into the box, and Joe Hart will will you know flat out deny the dude. Um, but you know, uh, let anybody uncork a shot from distance, and it just feels like it will go past Joe Hart like i i think joe hart is a decent keeper but i do not and have never believed that joe hart is is going to be one of the best in the world or has the ability to be one of the best in the world i i think that he has good seasons and bad seasons based on what happens in front of him but if he doesn't have a shutdown defense joe hart is not as good as people See him to be when he has a more prolific defense sitting in front of him.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I can agree with that.
0: So I think
1: I think we're are in general agreement. There's the criticism is warranted, but I mean no one on England was good yesterday. No, nope. it's not. No one. There's, I don't. I, I mean, you can single out Hart for his mistake, but I think it's a mistake to single anyone out too much because they were. Oh yeah,
0: Wayne Rooney was terrible. misplacing passes and, and free kicks. everywhere. I mean, look at Harry Kane's kick. But, but like, dude, honestly, the way that I described Harry Kane's kick is he looked like a dude who pressed O when 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 it was in the red and had it pointing to the left. Uh, for, for, for just like way too long, like how you botch a free kick that badly was just sort of a summation of how terrible everyone. Like, I think my favorite sequence in that entire game was toward the end of the game. Uh, and it was around like the 89th minute, like, it was, it was right before you know we got to the 90 minute mark. Um, <clears throat> Uh, uh, one of the Iceland attackers had had brought it down in, in, into the final third just outside of, of England's box, and he he was passing it off to a teammate, and then he played the ball back in a triangle to somebody that he assumed was there, but they weren't. It was an English defender instead, and quite literally with his next touch... The, 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 the English, oh, I can't even remember who it was, but he turned and passed the ball straight back to Iceland. Like, mm-hmm. just, just gave it right back to him. And and to me, it was just sort of the, yeah, that's... And, and then the guy rifled off a shot that, that very nearly could have gone in, and you're just sort of like, yeah, that that, that was yesterday. Yep. Iceland right. played defense all day yesterday and never even looked bothered. Yep, they sure did.
1: So, I think, unless you have anything to add.
0: Comprehensive. <laughs> we that wanted to make a nice splash with our first podcast. Yeah, I mean, we had well, we we have... we an hour's worth of crap to come.
1: Yeah, we did. Alright, well, we want to throw out our, uh, where you can find us on the internet. I am on sure. Twitter. I am on Twitter at space mnky mafia. Before you ask, it's from a Billy Joel song. We didn't start the fire. And it amuses me. That's all there is to it. Uh
0: I can be found on Twitter at fight on and uh the name was created because fight on is is the name of a uh, uh USC's little war cry uh and uh actually at the time that i created it i was also covering mma so it was a fun play on on the two things i was writing about and twist has been my nickname since i was in a, a fraternity in college oh yeah prep boy um but uh yeah that was my nickname was oliver twist um, because the, the, the quarter that I pledged, I had no home, so I was jumping around with I wound up getting into the dorms the next semester, but uh, or the next quarter, but yeah, no I was totally homeless that quarter uh, so they, <laughs> they, they called me Oliver Twist, and, and that's, it, it stuck, and to this day, people still do, so that's where that came from Alright Well, that's it for uh
1: Our first podcast, and we will do this weekly, every Tuesday. So if you enjoyed it, there is much more to come. And thanks for listening, and really we'll talk to you next week.